Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller has joined me today, and we're going to talk about what you should know about leaded steels. Ah, steel. Your eyes just light up saying the word. So when I was growing up, lead was a bad word. They were always talking about it in our paint. And I even remember teachers warning us not to stab ourselves with a lead pencil or we'd get lead poisoning. Of course, now looking back at that through adult eyes, I see they're trying to get us to not just stab, stab, stab ourselves with a pencil. But it probably doesn't sound right. At any rate, lead and steels. What should we know, Miles? To start with, your teacher gave you bad advice. There's no lead in lead pencils. Aha! Uh-huh. I knew it. So the first truth to share in this podcast is beware of authorities claiming certainty and peddling fear, especially to the young. Our shops need to know that lead is not banned by the European Union's end-of-life vehicles regulations for machining purposes in steel, aluminum, and brass. Lead is also not banned by the EU's Restriction of Hazardous Substances Rojas Directive. And by the way, it's been through a couple of different versions and updates, and I've stayed on top of that through each of those. So what does that mean to us? It means that even the EU recognizes that the additions of lead in materials for machining is worthy of exemption because lead provides some significant benefits. And that's important because the EU is driven by the precautionary principle. So for them to give us a pass on lead, they must be recognizing some significant benefits, benefits that outweigh the perceived risks. So benefits such as... A long time ago, when I was a young metallurgist and just getting introduced to our industry, in Modern Metals Magazine, Pat Wannell from Niagara LaSalle said that lead boosts machinability 25% at a lower cost. And one of my old favorite um, references, the Monarch Turning Manual, said that cutting speeds can be normally increased from 15 to 25 percent above those employed for the standard grade when in fact you're using that same grade with lead. That 25 percent results in a savings benefit not just to our shops but also to society through lower costs in our end goods. So increased machinability, increased speeds at a lower cost. These sound like great benefits. They are. Additionally, there was a special report in American Machinists back in the day, and they said that lead was found mainly enveloping manganese sulfide inclusions and that promoted machinability in two ways, eh, maybe even a third. How so? Well, first, the lead forms a layer of a liquid lubricant at the tool chip interface at the temperatures and pressures of, of machining and cutting. Because of this liquid lubricant, it reduces the stress required to overcome friction. And it's also thought that the lead acts as an initiator of microcracks 
that's kind of ahead of the cut, and possibly even a liquid metal embrittlement uh, mechanism that reduces the amount of energy needed to deform the chip. So you're a steel guy. Do you have experience with leaded steel? <laughs> In my experience, leaded steel was probably 20 to 25%. That's the magic number for this podcast uh, of our shipments at the cold finished steel bar company that I work with. In my experience with all those shipments, I have found that the leaded steels lowered cutting temperatures, reduced the wear rates on the tools, which meant more uptime for the shop cutting lead compared to a non-leaded steel. Similarly, the surface finish on the leaded steel parts was far superior to that compared to the steel uh, that was not leaded to make a similar part. All right, it seems to me lead has some real advantages, increasing speeds and production, reducing power needed, which is always good for greenhouse gas emissions, and improving surface finish, so there has to be a downside. You're correct. Nothing is perfect, and that applies to leaded steels as well. So what are the downsides? First, lead isn't really soluble in iron. That means that it's in a separate phase in the steel. It's not dissolved in it like sugar in coffee. So it's a separate phase, and that means it's usually visible as that separate phase, usually on the ends of the manganese sulfides. Sometimes we say it's a lead tail, and sometimes it can be a small particle in, in and of itself in the steel. All right, that's firstly. How about secondly? Secondly, lead has a much higher density than iron, which means that it will tend to segregate while the metal is liquid given enough time. So we could have uneven distribution of lead if we add it to the steel in the molten state, which is how we do it, and then that steel remains molten for a long time. So the way of adding the lead and keeping it mixed is important. And thirdly, Lead has a relatively low melting point compared to the steel. That can mean that as processing temperatures increase, such as for heat treatment of parts, leaded steel parts can exude, that's the fancy technical word for sweat, it can sweat the lead out of the part during the heat treat. So what do those three factors mean? They mean that if you absolutely must have parts that are free from segregation, Parts that will not have potential hollows or porosity after being ex exposed to high temperatures, and if you need absolutely no visible indications of a separate phase in the steel, that's what we call in the trade a lead stringer, you probably ought not to use the leaded grade for your parts. And you're foregoing the 25 to 30 percent savings it gives you on the part machining costs. That's right. And you're also giving up the reduction of 20 to 25% of the greenhouse gases that are needed now because you have additional utilities required to get the part out with that longer cycle time and requiring more power. And that's presuming no additional finishing operations are needed to get the same finish you had in the leaded product. So take your pick. So what about the toxicity issue? I mean, we all know lead is bad, right? Well, 
Toxicity is an issue that requires careful examination. Would lead be toxic if we eat it? Well, yes, if we ate enough of it over a long enough time, but we're not really eating machine parts. The government has regulations that cover the use of lead in our shops, so we could say the government considers it to be a hazard. At the same time, these regulations from the government do not ban its use. If a shop exceeds the quantity of 100 pounds of lead in manufacturing, processing, or otherwise used in operations, it must be reported under community right to know and toxic release inventory regulations. All right, so it's a hazard, but not a threat. From a workplace exposure point of view, in machining shops like ours, where there are no lead vapors or fumes, human pickup of lead is unlikely, except through absorption from contact with lead or lead-containing materials. Great hygiene, hand washing before eating, no snacks, no smoking in operating areas, and separating the lunchrooms where we eat from the operating areas, these are best practices that will minimize, if not eliminate, human exposure. Okay, I can see that. It makes sense. I mean, don't eat the lead. Wash your hands before eating, which you should be doing anyway. Don't eat out by the machine. Perfect sense. If you look at the safety data sheet that OSHA requires manufacturers to provide in order to communicate hazards in the workplace to our employees, here's a summary for leaded carbon steel bars, uh, 12L14, for example. Here's the hazard number 302. Don't eat it. Okay, seriously? <laughs> Actually, it says harmful if swallowed. I'm sticking with don't eat it. Check. What's your exposure? What's the dose? How long? That brings us to H372, harmful through prolonged exposure. H317 says it may cause an allergic skin reaction. I've never seen it in all my years. And hazard 351 says it's suspected of causing cancer, but a literature search on Google been unable to find any reports, any studies tracking lead, cancer rates, and machinist occupations. The interesting thing about lead in our shops is it's not airborne. It's not a major constituent. It might be a quarter of a percent of the weight of the bar. So how much are you actually contacting? What is your exposure? It's not like they're warning you it's a contact poison and you have to have on special barrier garments. It's just not really an issue if you practice responsible hygiene. You know, I remember going fishing as a little girl. I mean, I hated every minute of it. I don't sit still well, and a snake went underneath my rock. But now that you mention it, a quarter of a percent of lead, the weights, they, my uncle called them sinkers on the fishing lines, those were pure lead. Not sure we were very concerned about washing our hands after tying them onto our lines. That brings us to the precautions. Precaution 260, don't breathe in dust or fumes. It's hard to breathe in a solid piece of bar stock. You're right. When I visited shops, they are machining under fluid. No lead fumes, no lead dust. The chips are segregated and recycled. Nothing much there to be concerned about. Precaution 264, wash hands. 
Check. Not exactly the scariest thing you'll encounter today. I know. I mean, now we're wearing gloves and hand sanitizer when we pump our unleaded gas after we've touched the pump handle, card reader, and keypad. Come to think of it, in the time of COVID, those are likely to be more of a threat than lead, right? I, I couldn't agree more, Carly. Precaution 270. Don't eat, drink, or smoke while using this product. This is just common sense. Well, to be fair, your list should probably also include don't put on cosmetics after handling lead. I'll give you that one, Carly. It's a great addition. Finally, precaution 272, again from the safety data sheet. Isolate contaminated work clothing. This makes sense, but again, how is the lead, which is in a solid form in the metal, contaminating the clothing? I think the real issue here is to not take home clothing contaminated where it can contaminate the clothes of other family members in the laundry and expose them to trace amounts of lead, especially our youngest children. Okay, so the bottom line, don't eat it. Don't cut leaded parts with a torch and limit exposure time if working around molted leaded metals. Otherwise, remember your lessons from kindergarten and wash your hands, and don't eat or drink if you aren't in the lunchroom. That's great summary, Carly. Remember your lessons from kindergarten. Wash your hands and don't eat or drink if you aren't in the lunchroom. So simple. And that wraps up today's discussion about leaded steels. Thank you for joining us. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org. And while you're on there, our new website has a robust search feature so you can put in a topic and search our crib sheets, podcasts, and articles. There is a wealth of information on there. Yes, thank you for joining us. Please rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. And if you aren't already taking advantage of PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see all we have to offer. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly? Because, because we, we are, are better, better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.